this beautiful concept in Chinese medicine that is known as your second spring. This was something that I was really, wow, like this sounds amazing. Like you get to have everything all about you. So there's three main phases in in Chinese medicine, which in a woman's life. And so they are what we call heavenly waters, which is the beginning of a girl's period. We then have the ripening of a fruit, which can be around your fertility or childbirth around that time. And then we have this second spring that we all, you know, get to enjoy as we move over. So they say women in their 30s are wolves, women in their 40s are tigers and women in their 50s are dragons. And it's our life experience that we have that we're, you know, more able to express this energy. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, the show that helps crack open your heart and inspire a deeper regard for your own well-being and happiness. Proudly brought to you by 28 Essentials. Here's your host, the gorgeous Kim Morrison. Welcome to the Self-Love Podcast. A doctor of traditional Chinese medicine and former registered nurse, Susie McCleary, has an unwavering passion to empower women to use natural techniques and technologies so that they can smoothly navigate the journey from puberty through to menopause without risky medications or debilitating hormonal chaos. As a healthcare practitioner with over 30 years of experience, As a wife and mother of two beautiful young children, Susie understands the myriad of confusing and frustrating hormonal and emotional challenges that young girls and women are left alone to face every day. Over her career, she has witnessed the all-too-common scenario of smart, health-conscious women experiencing unexplained anxiety, weight gain, poor sleep, and erratic mood swings. And when they reach out to their doctors for help, They're given a myriad of prescriptions, medications, and things that either make their symptoms worse or come with dangerous side effects. Susie knows there was a much better and easier way to help these women transition, especially through the perimenopause and menopausal years, which are often filled with conflicting emotions and lots of unknowns. With a passion for ongoing education, Susie is also a registered GAPS practitioner, a functional nutritionist, a Heo Gua Sha practitioner, a certified Malilo method provider, as well as has completed studies in environmental biology. Gosh, with all this incredible, unique experience and expertise, Susie definitely shines a beacon of light and hope to thousands of women so that they can embrace what is known in Chinese medicine as the second spring and then enjoy a new vitality for life without drugs or feeling like they're going crazy. She currently has a private practice in Echuca in country Victoria, along the mighty Murray River, where she lives with her exquisite and beautiful family. You are going to love this podcast. We dive deep into the perils and challenges and beauty of perimenopause and menopause. We talk about puberty. We talk about those transitional phases in our life. And what I love particularly about this gorgeous woman is her passion and love of education means that we get to experience and feel and hear all of that knowledge in a simplified and dignified way. If you want to reach out to her, make sure you check out the show notes. And I look forward to your comments on my Instagram page, Kim Morrison 28, Facebook, Kim Morrison Training, or you can go to thewellnesscouch.com forward slash self-love podcast. Thanks so much for your five-star ratings, for your comments, for your feedback, and I am absolutely positive today is going to be an extraordinary one for so many of us. Take care, be kind, and enjoy today's show. Well, what an absolute delight and pleasure. As you can hear, I am super excited today. We have an amazing woman on the podcast, beautiful Susie McClary. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast. Thank you so much. I am just absolutely honoured to be here and especially with you today. So, uh, yeah, thank you so much for having me. Well, it's been a beautiful journey. We've known of each other for a very long time, heard each other speak at different places, but I'm particularly excited to have you here because you're someone that I would consider very knowledgeable, particularly around health and wellness and certainly around women's health. But before we get into that, maybe you could just let the listener know a little bit about you, your background and what led you into doing and being who you are today. 
Well, thank you. Well, I was lucky enough that I grew up in a small rural town in country Victoria, a little place called Witcherproof with only about 800 people. Um, and it was from there that um, I then left to go to university and I decided that you know, I'd always been known for picking up the lame ducks and feeding the, you know, the chook that didn't really need to be in this life, but I would nurture it back. And so therefore I went into uh, nursing and did my graduate year in at um, Royal Children's Hospital in paediatrics. Uh, I had a passion for traveling. And uh, so I took up a uh, a traveling nurse uh, program in America. And I told my parents, I'll be back in a year. And so um, eight years later, I, I did come home. I spent my time just traveling around all the different cities, working in all the different children's hospitals uh, in intensive care around the world, uh, which I absolutely loved. But I was doing a lot of night duty and it wasn't serving me or my body and I was you know just tired all the time um and so I knew that I didn't want to be working weekends all the time and so I had a numb finger and I was like oh living in America and you're worried about health insurance and I was like okay so I I saw this acupuncture uh, like this little shop and it just had acupuncture and I thought oh, I'll go and give that a go I'd never tried it before so I went in and I hadn't even had the acupuncture and I knew this is what I wanted to do. It was this smell that I smelt that it was a moxa that, um, and it was the herbs in the room. And I was just so overwhelmed that I think I signed up. He had a little course to learn Chinese medicine and I signed up on the day. Uh, now, given the cost of um, education in the US, I decided to bring my study home. I moved home to Australia and there I completed my Chinese medicine um, training. So, you know, one of the big things that I'd found with Western medicine that I loved was that, you know, we gave a drug and it would sort of help, but the side effect would be worse. And we'd give another drug and another drug. And we sort of lost sight to me of what we were actually treating. So, you know, the Chinese medicine was all about finding the underlying, what we call the root cause of someone's illness and so it really sort of sat really well with me to be able to sort of go into that area so I then um, finished my Chinese medicine and I then was moved to Achuka now I didn't know anyone here but I knew it was somewhere where you know I love being on the river I love being on the water um, and so you know I, I moved to Achuka where I was lucky enough to meet my husband uh, and we got married and then I became what is you know politely known as a geriatric mother uh, having my first baby at uh, 39 uh, just before my 40th birthday and then I had my second baby at 42 uh, so I was uh, lucky enough um, to to have both of my children uh, later in life uh, but what I found was that um, when my son started when he was little he always had this constant runny nose and I was always trying to help him get better and then that would lead me down the path to continuing education again so I went back and I studied and I did uh, Cindy O'Meara's functional nutrition course and became a functional uh, nutritionist and then I came at, became a GAPS practitioner and we saw these you know incredible changes and then from there we got to school and we were struggling a bit at school. So I then went on and did further study again and became um, a Malilo method practitioner and then got into uh, the listening program. So all of my study that I have done has come out of, you know, almost like a necessity to, um, you know, help my family and to treat my family and then I found such amazing results as what I'm doing then I would want to share it with my community and then I would start treating more and more children in the clinic of sharing those sorts of things but what was happening with all these kids that was coming in I was seeing this really common thread amongst all their mums and that was all they were so depleted they too, like me, had just spent so much time pouring all of their energy and all of their resources into 
you know, helping their kids that they, you know, we teach in Chinese medicine that you can't pour from an empty cup and that to nurture the child, you nourish the mother. And so this then has led me on to, you know, my next journey of as a newly 50-year-old who wasn't that keen on embracing her age um, of being like, you know, I'm not 50 yet, you know, how is that actually possible? Um, But it was through further sort of study again that I realised that um, that menopause or approaching menopause at that time of life is really all about your attitude and how you progress through it depends, you know, a lot on biology of belief. So, you know, what you say, they say you actually become. So as a career woman, I was still, you know, well, I've got a young family. I still had, you know, I was a wife and a mother and all those sorts of things as well. So self-care was sort of not the top of my list of how I was going to incorporate that in into what I was doing. So there's um, this beautiful concept in Chinese medicine that is known as your second spring. This was something that I was really, wow, like this sounds amazing. Like you get to have everything all about you. So there's three main phases in in Chinese medicine, which in a woman's life. And so they are what we call heavenly waters, which is the beginning of a girl's period. We then have the ripening of a fruit, which can be around your fertility or childbirth around that time. And then we have this second spring that we all, you know, get to enjoy as we move over. So they say women in their 30s are wolves, women in their 40s are tigers, and women in their 50s are dragons. And it's our life experience that we have that we're, you know, more able to express this energy. So when when your period stops, you actually get that blood that you used to lose each month actually goes back up to your heart to nourish your heart. And it allows you then to explore what, you know, whether it be spirituality, whether it be volunteering, whether it be you know, giving up that job that you you hate doing. Um, and so this was something that really resonated with me. It was about how to take my clients and teach them how to embrace this stage as their second spring and stop, you know, unfortunately our media and our society all look at, you know, um, when we get old, we cherish the youth and, and, and we're useless. Like, you know, you retire and you go to a party and someone says, what do you do? And you're like, oh, nothing, I'm, I'm retired. And they're like, well, you, you know, you lose that self-worth. Whereas in China, um, the old women are revered. Like you get to old age, they will put you on a pedestal and, you know, they'll carry you through because it's embraced as you're such a special person. And that's where I think we've lost where, you know, we don't revere um, that some of the greatest women in history didn't achieve their, you know, their achievements until they're in their 50s and 60s. So I think it's Julia Childs, the art um, who wrote The Art of French Cooking, didn't pick up a recipe book until she was like 49. And then the girl who wrote uh, Little House on the Prairie, Laura Wilds, I think she was in her 70s when she wrote her first novel. And even the likes of Susan Boyle, she didn't get on stage and ever sing until she was 48. So this second spring is an amazing opportunity for us to embrace what we want to do and, you know, for a lot of us, get rid of what we don't want to do. Um it, you know, it really is a time that we can, you know, move forward and, and redo and focus a little bit more on us and self-care that we want to do. Like I know for me I was doing, I, you know, I got to a stage where I was taking on too much and I was, um, you know, trying to get things completed and I, you know, I was running all the kids around to all their functions And I, all of a sudden, I started having hot flushes every night. I was like hot flush during the day. My husband's like, can I buy you a vest? (laughs) Like, I don't want a vest. 
<laughs> so it, it was more than I had to stop and go, okay, what can go? And I made some big decisions about um, some things that I was doing. I was getting a course ready and it was meant to be ready by April. And I was like, you know what? It's not ready till September. And then it was almost like overnight that the hot flushes stopped. And so, you know, for me, it was like, okay, how can I embrace this and, and teach women in the clinic how they can um, embrace and move forward in their second spring to make it the best time of their life too and that, you know, it's, it's not about dread and despair and death but actually about, you know, this is now a time about you and, you know, being able to embrace it. I think it's magical to finally have someone openly discuss this topic. And I found it fascinating looking at the Western culture too, that we see billboards, we see women. And one of the things that shocked me when I was writing one of my books in my 30s was that we knew a model that was on a billboard and we said to her, she looked amazing. It was advertising, sun tanning, um, like self-tan products. And she said, yeah, you know that they've Photoshopped that to the max. And I said, oh, my gosh, you did look kind of like incredible, incredible. And she goes, not only did they airbrush me, but they also made my legs longer. And then whenever I went over the bridge in Auckland and saw that thing on the Air New Zealand building, I'd go, oh, my God, it's not even real. And yet she's stunning, absolutely stunning. So my question was always, why do we have to airbrush, alter, change and Photoshop someone who is already beautiful and already stunning. No wonder none of us ever get there. It's not even real what we're aspiring to get to, even when we're younger and as we age. So I'm really grateful you're highlighting this because a lot of the women that I look up to and revere have always been over 40, 50, 60 and 70. My grandmother was one of my greatest teachers in her 90s. So I want to ask you first and foremost then, the gift of aging, and I call it a gift because it's denied to so many people, the art and gift of aging, in your humble opinion, moving into these second spring years, is this a time where we get to really own who we are? We get to just let go of all the judgments? And how have you seen women embrace it as opposed to women who deny it? So that's an awesome question. And that's the biggest thing that I see in the clinic. So hidden behind all the hot flushes, the anxiety, the, you know, the night sweats, the insomnia, all these symptoms hidden behind that is your emotions. And it's through balancing our emotions. And a big part of that is the recognition of aging of embracing this time but because we feel guilty or we feel you know we're aging we're not you know maybe we feel guilty for not contributing or maybe we feel you know our self-worth the emotion attached to self-worth is really really low and so that's where we see all these symptoms now in China the women don't have um menopausal symptoms nearly as bad as we do in Western culture. So, you know, my question is, was always, well, why not? Like every, their hormones are no different to our hormones. But what it is, is your emotions control your hormones, not your hormones control your emotions. So they can, you know, it can be a little bit of a two-way street, but it is through balancing your emotions that you can actually balance your hormones. And that's, you know, a, a big thing for me is identifying what we call your underlying constitution. So we have four types. We have four different types of constitution of body types. And we have a, what we call a stronger organ and a weaker organ. And each one of those organs is associated with a different emotion. So we might have the liver, the lung is associated with sorrow and the kidney is associated with fear. If, for example, a, a, you know, they get out of balance and a woman is experiencing way too much sorrow, then that allows the fear to take hold. And with fear, then we may get anxiety. So if we can rebalance by knowing at what we call our yin-yang body constitution, if we can rebalance that and bring that emotion back into balance by reducing down the sorrow and 
increasing the kidney energy, we then see in the clinic the hot flushes go or the night sweats stop or the person comes in and they go, oh, my God, I feel amazing. And it's nothing that I did. It was more that they were just pointed in the right direction of how to support their own body in moving forward. So the ladies who come in who have just sailed through menopause, we're all going to have a time when our estrogen, our progesterone is like really out of balance and it will eventually come back into sync and will be tolerable that the side effects or symptoms is not you know, debilitating. So I think a big thing is that women embracing that this is just a normal transition through life. But we are told by society, you will have into menopause and it's, it's disaster. You will have hot flushes, you won't sleep, you will lose your sex drive, you will, um, you know, basically (laughs) it's all over. And so then we create that within us that that is what's going to happen. Whereas I find women who are very much like, no, I'm embracing my, you know, this is about me and I've got really good balance in my emotions. Um, And then they don't have the symptoms like the other ladies, you know, who are struggling emotionally with embracing taking on their second spring. So one of the, the key concepts that I teach Uh, with women with this is um, embracing what is called in Chinese medicine, which is sheng yang, which means nourished life. And this is self-care, the definition of self-care in Chinese medicine. Now, this is not a new concept. It's been around 2,000 years that women have been embracing in the, the concept of sheng yang. So, being able to incorporate those sorts of things into their life to help balance their emotions has been really key to overcoming. So the side effects, herbs can help, um, you know, acupuncture plays a role. They all play a small role and can be what we say, you know, get you out of the red. So we can get you out of the red, but for you to stay out of that you know, fright or flight stage or out of that, you know, grief or despair stage. It's up to us as individuals to embrace and acknowledge, you know, that this is actually a really good time. And I think a lot of it is that changing that, that idea, that idea that, you know, (laughs) it's the end. It's like, oh my God, I've got wrinkles. Oh my God. You know, um, what we say the sex drive's gone and it's you know again I teach them okay I find them find your constitution find your strongest organ your weakest organ and what we're going to do is we're going to balance that up and you will find that will return and it's that mindset and mentality oh really great and so they go out and embrace it and you know I've had some really lovely lovely clients who have just done you know really embraced it and like you know they were, they were like I, I tripped, I hurt my knee. I didn't hurt my knee, it's just fine. And I'll keep walking and, you know, we'll, we'll do a treatment. But, yeah, I, I, I really see a big difference between the women of embracing versus not on the impact that it has with the symptoms that they present with. Can I just go back a step with you then? I've been asked this question myself. What actually is a hot flush? Like you're saying emotions create it and yeah. our emotions drive it. But what causes that massive influx in energy or heat or um, sweating, all of those things? What actually is a hot flush? Well, from a a Western point of view, uh, the jury has lots and lots of ideas, like whether it's a hypothalamus, which is the regulatory system on your body. Uh, In Chinese medicine, we say as you age, your yin, uh, which is the cooling factor of your body, declines and therefore the heat just um is out of control so we have yin which is cooling and we have our yang which is warming and so when the cooling factor is low that means the heat can just generate up so what i see a lot of that occurring from is when we have um 
an impact on what we call um, the kidney energy. And so like if we're fearful of ageing or we're fearful of something that has happened, then that organ becomes weak and therefore it can't contain what we call the heat and it just rises up and gives this massive, you know, hot flush sensation. It's usually for a lot, it's associated with overwhelm for a lot of people um, that they associate it with. Um, It can be constitutional where it's just a decline of of kidney energy. Uh, So, you know, in Chinese medicine, um, this is the hard thing. You go to the store and there is one bottle of, they say, black cohort, and they say, take that for your hot flushes. The problem is that women have, over 20 different types of menopause. So there's like 20 different causes of what causes a hot flush in Chinese medicine. So, you know, you might be the the lucky one in 20 that that formula works for, but it's not going to work for your girlfriend. So, you know, telling her that, hey, I took this and then she takes it and then it doesn't work. So then she thinks something's wrong with it. So then her hot flushes get worse because suddenly now she's more anxious over the fact that there must be something wrong with her because what is on the shelf didn't work. So this is where, you know, I find um, really we're all so individual and that's where we've got to embrace ourselves as an individual and not this whole concept of, you know, you go to the doctors, you tell them something's wrong, they just give a pill and, it, you know, if it doesn't work, then they give another one and it doesn't work. So my whole thing is like, finding what that root cause of that person's hot flush is that then, you know, creates that overwhelming sense of, you know, some people have hot hands and hot feet. Other people have cold hands and cold feet. Other people say it comes from their chest. Others, it just comes from their head. So it's all based on your constitution. And, again, it's like through identifying yours that we can, you know, better serve so you can actually, you know, overcome it and it doesn't become something debilitating. It is an interesting thing because for many people, you know, women get so embarrassed when they're hot and they feel that like they look worse or they feel worse. I I just want to ask a couple of things here. HRT then, so a woman's suffering with her night sweats and she's heated up and she's not feeling great, um, probably feeling a little bit irritated and maybe yeah, her sex drive's dropped and all of that. So she goes to the doctor and gets her estrogen progesterone levels done. And yes, definitely she's either perimenopause or if she's been without a period for 12 months, she's now considered menopausal. So one of the first things that I notice that gets offered is um, hormone replacement therapy, either in the form of herbs, as in um, a, a compound pharmacy will put together something, or there's actually a drug or some form of drug. Are we hiding the symptoms by doing that? And at some point, we're going to have to address it anyway, or is that a bridge to get through it? What's your thoughts around these compound pharmacies and HRT? Um, It's a little bit of both. I always look at it. It's a bit like the situation where it'll get you out of the red. So, you know, and I often, you know, even for women who come in and they can't sleep, I'm just like, okay, we need to get you sleeping and then we can fix the underlying cause of what's causing that in the first place. So I find you can take HRT to get out of that situation, but if you don't address what's caused that in the first place, it's like playing the pop-up game. So you can bang that one down, but your body is an amazing tool that's going to tell you if something is not right. And so what happens is they'll come in and say, oh, yeah, my hot flushes are great. They've gone, but now I've got this problem and I'll do, you know, we'll do uh, uh, an assessment and we'll find it's affected the same part of the body. It's the same. It's come from the same source that we say in Chinese medicine, but what it is, is it's just presenting in a different way. And that's why one imbalance, like, you know, someone could smoke all their life and no one gets cancer and then someone else gets cancer and then someone else gets you know emphysema why did they all present differently and so you know it's the same with you know taking hrt or taking a, a compound it's great and it can often reset you to a position 
that you are better able to cope or function, <coughs> excuse me, um, but it's not going to fix the underlying problem that caused that hot flush in the first place. So that it may get you in a position where I can now do um, the work that needs to be done. Um, but, you know, going on something like that and going, oh, that's just address it all, that's fine now, happy days, is not, it's to potentially if you then came off it or you would have a lot of difficulty coming off it because you are just masking the symptoms across the board. And that, that goes the same with, you know, unfortunately we're seeing girls younger and younger get put on the pill. And so they've got some uh, imbalances in their body and they're just like, just go on the pill. So then they go on the pill for 10, 15 years and they come off it to have a baby and they can't get pregnant. And they're like, why? And it's just like, well, the problem you went on the pill the first place is still there. We, we didn't do anything. We just masked over it. So you didn't have to worry about it or deal with it. But we all have to deal with everything. Like it's not just going to go away. So that's where I really find that, you know, addressing uh, the underlying cause. I know uh, uh, years ago I, I was looking into early puberty in young girls and um, it was a really big big factor for me having a daughter that, you know, uh, our exposure to what we call uh, obesogens or endocrine disruptors that, in you know, are all in our environment. And, you know, it, since COVID, with that causing inflammation and the stress of COVID, they've just released a study from Italy that showed that um, perimenopausal, I'm oh, sorry, uh, early puberty in young girls has gone up three and a half times and which is really scary when you've got all these five-year-olds who are getting their period because of the stress related to lockdown the hand sanitizer with the endocrine disruptors that they're all on and the diet and the weight gain that they've all put on because they weren't allowed outside and to exercise so all these factors are contributing and so you know, it can be really overwhelming, especially for parents. So, you know, for me, it's like, okay, what can we do? Let's just change that hand sanitizer to some soap, just buy a bar of soap. That's what we're going to do for that. And we're going to get back in, just get outside, get in fresh air, get outside, get that sunshine again. And then for the, um, the, the stress levels, it's like, you know, okay, we need to, you know, get rid of that stress levels for these kids and really get them back engaged in the community, let them know it's okay. But, you know, it was a really difficult time for everyone. And it's not only young girls that I've got coming in, it's the perimenopausal women who have been trying to support the young girls who are now like, I had a little anxiety before COVID, but now I'm like shot and I'm experiencing. And so that's where, you know, these high stress levels and they're like, I never had hot flushes. I never had all of this. And, you know, by us addressing reset that nervous system back down to a lower level that we are, are actually able to, you know, get rid of those symptoms without them having to go down the path of going medication because the underlying cause was all emotion. So, you know, it's not saying, Oh, I'm not stressed anymore. So therefore they're all going to go away. It's, you know, if it was that easy, it would be wonderful if we could just say it and it go away. But a lot of it is through resetting the nervous system. And that to me is a lot where the self-care comes in, in you doing the, the what I, you know, Shen Yang and encouraging them to say, hey, this is what we're going to do to reset your nervous system. Once we get it down, those symptoms will go and you'll, you know, feel much better. So definitely... You know, it, it's been a big, you know, learning curve and I try and take everything that I've learned to, you know, put it into practice in my clinic because usually I'm right there with them as, you know, a, a late mum, I'm dealing with all those things and I'm like, this is meant to be my self-care and my time. And it was a, I tell a funny story where I was like, I, I, I ran this bath and I had candles and I had my book 
and I put some essential oils in the bath and I got in. I think I had a glass of wine and my daughter was six at the time and she knocks on the door. Mum, can I have a bath? No, darling, this is mum's bath time. And it was like, no. And next minute she's in, she's naked, she's in the bath, the candles are splashed out, the red wine spilt, the book's wet. And I'm just like, okay, my self-care is going to have to turn back to micro minutes. So, you know, it, it's trying to teach them to, you know, patients that it's not always all about the big things and sometimes it's those, you know, micro minutes that really <laughs> make the big difference for me. So true. It's so true. And that's where a lot of women give up on it though, and then become or can become martyrs to it and then end up resenting or having more deeper emotionally charged reactions to life and and the strain. And it's fascinating that, you know, in years gone by, we had children in our twenties, our early twenties. And so by the time we hit menopause, our kids had left home. Yeah. I can't imagine what the men of the world feel when they've got a perimenopausal or menopausal mother and teenage daughters and sons, like seriously, um, maybe that's the one payback they get for not having menopause. But that, yeah, what were you saying? So my husband's in for a treat. <laughs> it's just it raises the question though um firstly we are older and having children later which is an amazing biological phenomena in itself but secondly <clears throat> excuse me do men go through a form of menopause are they avoiding this or is there any other way that we can look at what they go through uh, to be honest i haven't <laughs> I've been focusing on us. Um, You know, maybe they're what they call a midlife crisis of them sort of suddenly deciding that, you know, I'm going to buy that motorbike or I'm going to go on that holiday is their way of their second spring of going, you know what, this is about me too. And so, you know, that may be something that, you know, they definitely don't have the hormone shifts but I think they probably still have that same life change where, you know, they have done that. They've done the hard yards too. They've done, you know, they've, they've done, they're, you know, done the work. They've done the family. They're, they're doing all the same things that we're doing. So, you know, I, I think it's a really important thing that we do allow that to, you know, happen together that um so yeah i think unfortunately though in men though i think it's just referred to as like a midlife crisis so <laughs> whereas you know i would like that not to be the term that we use that you know we, maybe we could come up with a, a male version of the second spring weekend name well i i always call it a midlife awakening yeah and we do go through different changes all of us men's testosterone levels definitely drop some men get man boobs so their estrogen levels have increased so they certainly seem to go through some form of physical change yes which i dare say is also emotionally charged and and really does come from a place of them honoring their ability to age with grace as well because yeah a lot of midlife crises could be looked at that mean the reality they've lost their youth they're losing their testosterone their strength their power their desire to to be strong and and move forward with motivation and discipline and all of those things and yeah my experience has shown that they need just as much nurturing and support hormonally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually as we do. And maybe because ours is such a physiological change. It's the same thing for men going through puberty. In tribal cultures, you know, there's a certain age in those really early teens where they get to go out with the men. It's almost their their crossing of that line into manhood where they get taught to hunt and gather and do all of those things. And women, there was the red tent when we started menstruating all the women came together and we seem to have kind of lost a little bit of that yin and yang cultural um, identity around our powers and each of our masculine and feminine energies 
Is there something that you've learned yourself around the masculine and the feminine? Is there something? Because the only reason I bring this up for you is my mum made a really interesting comment many, many years ago. She had a tough time going through menopause for many years, over a decade, I reckon. And now that you're talking all about the emotional stuff, you know, she carried a lot for a lot of people for a long time. And I can I can really understand that. And one of the things she said to me, Susie, was she said, oh, you won't have a problem with menopause. And I said, oh, what makes you so sure? And she said, because you're really in touch with your femininity. Do you think that has a part to play in it as well? Oh, well, that, you know, to me, that's still just as huge a part about the emotional side, about embracing your femininity. Um, like, Back to sort of talking with the men, I remember being in the nursing home, like when I was a nurse and we went to the nursing home and, you know, the men with it became kinder and the women became grumpier. And so I always remember like it was just lovely with the men because maybe it was, you know, the drop in testosterone and if they were embracing and happy, they just, you know, you'd often hear the story about, oh, he was an old grump, but now he's this really old kind man. And so, you know, I, I think when you do embrace that, you definitely get a smoother transition through the stages. And that's what it's, that's what these stages are. They're transitions. They're not about, oh, tick that off the list or tick that, done that, you know, it's, it's embracing that, you know, and in terms of femininity, it's like, you know, even comes down to your sex life. Like where as, you know, women in their 60s and 70s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, you know, they're told that their, their body's no longer attractive, that they shouldn't, you know, they shouldn't be enjoying sex, that it's not, you know, that's not what um, older women do. And it's like it's that, that femininity of ability to, if you embrace that, you know, sex is a really important part in Chinese medicine of emotional, spiritual growth, of, you know, of your mental health and well-being that you know release that you have associated with that so you know i think it's really important that women you know rec it's when they recognize that that you know they do transition through these st stages a much you know much smoother than if they were like oh well well that's it i'm done now i'm you know over the hill and he he doesn't find me attractive anymore but you know, he, he does, he married you for a reason. Like, you know, that's, it's more our self-belief in our femininity or, you know, I've suddenly got this weight around my middle or I've suddenly, my legs don't look like they used to look, or, you know, I've got more wrinkles and he, you know, he's not looking at that. It's, it's when we let that go that we can actually enjoy it or we can actually embrace it or it doesn't become a big deal. But, you know, so many are just like, oh, I don't look like that billboard. So, you know, back to that again. But, you know, that's where I think, you know, maintaining that femininity and is really, really important. I love seeing women age with grace and seeing them even put on lip balm. It doesn't have to be yeah. stick, but just, you know, having, I've always looked at women who, you know, file their nails or go and get a pedicure or um, they put their hair with a hair treatment or do a face mask no matter what age. And this goes for men as well, of course. But just because we age doesn't mean to say we can't take care of ourselves. And you've mentioned self-care quite a lot today. And it really is the preface of self-love. And to care for oneself means we love ourselves. We care for who we are. What would be your definition of self-love? So um, for me, self-love self is a lot to do with my self-care, but it doesn't necessarily always mean what I'm adding in. Uh, for me, a lot of it's what I'm taking out, what I'm letting go, what I'm not letting get overwhelmed. And then you know, taking the time for micro minutes. So my morning routine might be that I do gua sha, multitasking in the shower. 
So I do the gua sha, I get out, I do a one minute gua sha routine. And that is, you know, that's my self care that I do to, for the day. That, you know, is my definition of how I do self love. So it might be that I have that chocolate biscuit and I don't feel guilty about it. So, you know, because I find if I wake up and go, oh, if I had I had two, I start to have a hot flush. So, you know, I start to get all anxious about the fact I had two. So for me, it's like being like, you know, it's okay. Um, it's, you know, making sure that my kids have got their breakfast, that I've got their lunchbox packed and they're out the door and they get on the bus so I can then sit and have a cup of tea. So for me, it's not you know, um, big, um, big things. It's those little micro minutes that I can take. And it's also, you know, a big thing I found was, you know, so much of self-care is, uh, you know, we're told all these amazing things to do. And uh, what I've found is that by identifying what my body constitution is, that I'm more of a yang person which means that I really want to embrace self-care that is, sorry, I'm more yin. So the idea of embracing something like yoga and going on a yoga retreat for 10 days is like chalk, like fingernails on a chalkboard to me. But going and doing, you know, um, a, a workout and doing a really good gym workout and then coming home and feeling that rush of endorphins and how I feel afterwards makes me feel amazing. So that's been a really big lesson for me to learn, to find out what self-care I love and, you know, that that is what makes me feel good. And it's, you know, when I feel good, I, you know, you've got endorphins and the world can't touch you. Like you just, you know, you don't worry about what other people are saying or what other people are doing or, you know, oh, they're off on this. If that's not right for you, then, you know, then for me to be able to say that's okay is a real, you know, that's where I find bringing in that self-care reflects in my self-love of just going, I'm not doing something I don't want to do. So, you know, that's been a really big thing for me of, you know, finding what works for me. I think it's so powerful and even days we can change, right? One day we do do really well at yoga and the next day we are better going to climb Mount Coolum or something. So yeah. I completely hear you. I, I just want to go back a little bit because we kind of went over it quite quickly, but yeah. there's a lot of people interested in sex. There's no doubt. It's an interesting topic and it's something that is certainly one of the most beautiful parts of a relationship. And I imagine as we age, if that connection stops or if it halters, or one can't seem to find their their mojo with it and the other one then feels rejected or whatever it is. Do you have any tips in order to keep that sex drive alive? Is there anything just quick and simple that we can give our beautiful listener while they're out there driving and walking and listening right now? (laughs) Yes, and it's a really, really simple technique and it's called, it's a way to what we say cultivating sexual energy and it's called um, the micro, creating the microcosmic and so it's a really we have what we call two meridians and one runs up the front of the body and one runs down the back around the spine so it starts at the perineum and then it comes up around over the top of the head and then it finishes at the tip of the tongue and then the one at the front runs from the perineum at the front all the way up the front through the throat and again to the tongue. So a really simple technique that you can do to really cultivate your energy and your sexual energy is to actually, you can be sitting, you can be standing, and it's to just imagine that the energy is running up the front of the body. And what you want to do is you want to put your tongue against the roof of your mouth just behind your teeth. And then by putting it just there, you're creating a circuit of energy and you can actually, if you put your hands uh, with your thumbs, your sort of fingers intertwined and then your thumbs together over what we call your lower dantian and that's the area of sexual energy and you can actually feel it start to get really warm 
And then you can just either close your eyes or don't close your eyes if you're driving. <laughs> um, hold that area there and then just breathe in slowly through your nose and out through your mouth and just feel that energy circulating around your body. And it's just a really beautiful way that you can actually enhance and build up that energy to come up and, you know, circulate around. And you can just do it for two to three minutes. Um, I know it's a really good technique just to even boost your energy for the day, like just getting that up and going. But that's a, what they call, I think it's the microcosmic um, a, a circulation. I'll have to have a look and see um, what it is. I think it's the mi microcosmic orbit they call it. So um, that's a really good way to, you know, just really invigorate that energy that's stored within our kidney. How beautiful. I can just see everyone out there now with their hands <laughs> visualising it. I think it's brilliant. I, I really think it's these little things. Sometimes we probably feel like everything seems too hard. Taking care of ourselves seems too hard. Um, finding that sexual energy, the time, finding our, mo uh, our, our, our mantra or finding our own purpose can sometimes feel overwhelming as we age. You know, we spend a lot of time giving to others as women. We serve others. We do it naturally. We do it well. And we certainly have an ability to help people. It's part of our feminine nature. I'm not saying men don't do that, of course, but I'm just talking about us women. So to recharge as we go through these transitionary times, self-care is a big part of it. I imagine nutrition, gut health, the way we think, could you give us a couple of tips on how we could support ourselves through these transitional times? Yeah, so I often use the analogy that your body is a garden. And so with that, we want to begin with, we want to cultivate our, you know, cultivate the earth. We say we want to cultivate our gut. And, and they're simple things by just removing processed foods, just removing the foods that, you know, are, are giving you bloating. If you have a sandwich and you feel bloated, then, you know, change to a different, a different meal and sort of remove the, the bread for a little bit. So, you know, the first step we say is cultivate. We then want to nourish. And so, or we want to fertilize if we were doing the garden. And so that may be that, you know, we're eating in, um, where are here in Australia. So, um, down where it's a bit colder than Queensland is, that you want to eat well-cooked food. So what we mean by that is it's cooked and warm. So a lot of people, particularly women, they're like, oh, we should be eating lots of salads. But for a lot of us, salads are really cold in nature. And so if you were having a salad, you want to put cooked pumpkin in it or a little bit of spice so it warms it up a little bit. So the food that you're eating, you know, is, is really nourishing. Um, and then the big thing that you know, the whole idea of the garden is we want to adore the blooms. And so, you know, doing, I love doing facial gua sha. So, and facial gua sha, you don't need a gua sha tool. You can use a jam jar lid. And, you know, there's a really simple techniques that you can use that only take one minute that they can do to, you know, invigorate your skin first thing in the morning. I put a, a, a little bit of um, rosehip oil on and then, you know, you can just do that really gentle massage on your face um, on how to do a gua sha or, um, you know, a body scrub or anything like that that you can use um, is a really great way that um, you can help nurture during this time. And then do we get to pick the fruit? Yes. <laughs> so I'm just imagining then the afterglow is when we pick the fruit. We get yeah. the results from doing those beautiful things. Yeah. And I just love it. The gua sha, for those that don't know, they're a beautiful instrument. Often they can be like a rose quartz crystal or a jade crystal, something that's smooth that we can use in certain techniques. Is there anywhere we can go to look? Um, do you have that at all, any information around that, that we can see what sort of techniques we do on the face when we're doing a gua sha? Yeah, for sure. I've got, I've actually got some uh, videos that I have done that we can put a link um, at, at the end and I can um, send that how to do the gua sha, which um, is a really beautiful way to, you know, 
I feel like I've done a facial and it's only taken me a minute to do. And, uh, you know, uh, it, it can be that quick and easy, but, you know, you still see those results of, you know, improved circulation and, you know, uh, your skin tightening and it stimulates that collagen growth and things like that. So it's definitely something that um, I then, because I loved it so much, I went on and qualified as a Hey You practitioner, which is able to teach Gua Sha as well. So um, that's something I really love to do. And then when my clients come in, I sort of say, you know, a lot of them have different tools that they might have. Or if they don't, I say, here, well, grab a jam jar. And I'll show you how to do it. Or a Chinese spoon. Like every time I go go to a soup shop and they give me the spoon, I'm so excited because I'm not eating with it. I know I'm going to go home and do gua sha with it. So um, that's something that I really love to do too. That's beautiful. Susie, one of the things that I've noticed about you is an incredible, insatiable appetite for learning. And I think that's what makes you so incredible and vibrant and so informative. Do you think that love of learning has also supported you emotionally, that belief that you can learn more, do more, give more? How have you balanced your emotions, your desire to learn, the time it takes, motherhood, running a business? What have you done to balance your emotions in amongst all of that? Um, that's a good question. I, I think a lot like when my wheels fell off at the beginning of the year because of overtaking, you know, uh, of the overwhelm, I think for me is my love of learning, then if I can use that to support my family or my clients and then they get better or they're not struggling, then that I feel really good. Um, and it, for me, it's, you know, I find that less work then. So, you know, if I've learned about, you know, how to help, you know, my son who was struggling with reading and then I can implement it. But my, my whole thing is I get so passionate about it, I have to go and study it and then so I can actually provide it to everybody else. So I, I think a, a very beautiful woman once said that I could have been a course collector, <laughs> um, which I, I, I do find that I am guilty of, but it keeps me, it's what drives me every day, what gets me up, what makes me passionate about going out and serving the, you know, the people in my community, the my family, about providing them the latest of, you know, really simple things that, you know, maybe, you know, initially I used to get really overwhelmed and that it all had to be, you know, really scientific and I it had to be all the um, the latest and greatest. And, you know, as I just move on, it, it just made me realise it's just so many women just, it's just the basics. It's just really understanding really simple steps that they can take why they're important was always really important to me. So the why of, you know, we're told eat well, why, you know? And so for me, it was be able to share that, you know, um, why we need to eat well, well, because we're 90% bacteria and 10% human cells and the bacteria is what's dictating our health. So let's keep them happy. So, you know, so let's feed them what they want to feed on. Let's feed them, you know, what's going to then serve our body that, you know, we've borrowed to, you know, make the most of the time that, that we're here. And, you know, for me, it's now I feel that I, you know, I love, I love what I do and I don't think I'll ever stop, you know, my learning. Um, I'll slow down a little bit. Um, but yeah, I just love, I love being able to make a difference to, you know, um, I love my clients coming in and me giving them really simple things they can implement and then they come in and they go, oh my God, I feel amazing. And it's just like, well, I didn't really do anything. I just, just, you know, steered you in the direction or, you know, made you realize or switch the light bulb on and you did the rest. So that's, you know, that's what drives me every day. Well, we're very grateful. And now I'd love to make a difference in your world because I'm sure there's a lot of people listening to this right now going, I need this woman. I need to get in touch with her. Could you tell us the best places we could find you, beautiful girl? 
Yeah. So I would love everyone to be able to, you know, find out their body constitution. So everything that they do um, serves them best. So they can go to uh, mybodytype.com.au and there they can fill in and they can access the the body type um, quiz and that'll go straight through to give them some really great ideas to, you know, introduce them to what foods might be best for them or what exercise might serve them best, what which organ they might have strongest and which one um, maybe, you know, that they have to work more on. So then all these things that they're doing with their beautiful self-care and, you know, balancing their emotions actually can work a little bit better. So um, that's that's a great spot to start. And what about on socials? Where would we find you on socials? So on Instagram, um, I'm on Instagram, uh, blossom, is it forward slash blossom to blooming? So, um, and then my website is uh, blossom to blooming.com. So, and that, that, that comes from the term of, um, from my support that I do from for women from puberty right through, so they're blossoming to blooming when that's what we're doing when we hit menopause. So it's uh, blossom to blooming.com. It's amazing. Um, I love it so, so much and cannot thank you enough for making this topic non-taboo and also allowing us all to age with grace and to go through each of the transitional stages, one, two, and three throughout our life. It's just such a beautiful way to understand the gift of this thing we call life. So thank you so much. And for also highlighting really just how important the way we think, the way we feel, our emotions really do drive our physiology and biology. And that is a massive takeaway for many of us to realize that how we're thinking and feeling is actually driving the physiology of our bodies. So thank you so much for that. And if there was one final message for the beautiful listener and maybe even include or add to that your favorite quote at the moment, what would you have to say to this amazing person? Uh, My and what I, my favorite quote and, you know, my big takeaway and it's always with my clients is every day is a chance to get better. Beautiful. Every day is a chance to get better and, and not only get better, but I imagine by getting better, we're thriving more. And when we're thriving more, we're happier. And when we're happier, I heard a quote many years ago, if the woman of the house is happy and healthy, life runs smoothly for everyone else. So I think this is actually our responsibility and not relying on doctors and medications. They're trying to do the best week they can to support you to get through that. But I remember a beautiful 90-year-old woman telling me, you have to feel it to heal it. And I think that's one of the most profound uh, learnings I've ever embraced. And then having someone like you in my corner would be incredible. So for anyone to have a constitutional um, appointment with you or anything, is is that available online as well? Because we know you're in country Victoria and Echuca, but what about women that aren't there? Can we get online sessions with you? Yeah, and um, I've got um, to address all that to really support the women. I have a course coming out in September um, and that is an online program that I have created that will really help support women through this stage because perimenopause can go for 10 years before we actually even hit menopause. And so to help women, you know, embrace this stage and identify their emotions and you know really embrace it's interesting it's called the hot mess makeover um and so yeah so I have that for working with a lot of women coming out in September um and then the um the blossom to blooming has a link on it where um women can book an appointment um on that as well which, um, but yeah, we're really excited about the program coming out to just support so many women who will be, um, you know, who are transitioning. There's more women heading into menopause now than in than ever in history, and you know, being able to get these women through and you know, really appreciating the amazing bodies they have and 
you know, the potential they have and that suffering is, is not necessary. It's, you know, it's, it's not a given, it's not something that we have to suffer through, um, despite often being told, you know, that's what it is. It, it really isn't. It's an amazing time. And, you know, when you have the right tools, we can really make this a, a, an incredible journey that, you know, is one that we, <laughs> I feel we've all worked so hard over our lives. And they say, you know, the, the more difficulty that you have gone through, the, the better the, you know, the, when you can navigate that, the stronger you come out the other side. So um, I, I just really passionate about, you know, taking um, a group of women through this program that will be live. Um, it will be, you know, it has uh, 12 months of content and all of my courses and learning and everything that I have done over the journey of my 30 years in healthcare all put together in a 12-week program that, um, yeah, we'd really love to have um, you a part of. Oh, it sounds amazing. Thank you so much. <laughs> I just had this vision of, you know, women going, that sounds great, and men booking it for them already. You know, it's <laughs> like I just see so many men going, I'd love to see her happy. Happy spouse, happy house is what I've read. Yes. So thank you so much. I know that it's very difficult to get three decades of information into a podcast, but my goodness, you've uh, opened our eyes and hearts into what's possible and certainly to step up and into aging with grace rather than despising or defying it, like you said. So from my heart to yours, beautiful Susie, thank you so much. I have loved being down there at Echuca with you and seeing you present and heard you and we've been at different fundraisers together. And I just, just want to publicly acknowledge you for the work that you do and for being the incredible woman that you are. Oh, thank you. And right back at you. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Self Love Podcast. Be sure to write a review and share the love with your friends and family and head over and visit Kim and her team at 28.com. That's the word 20 and the number 8.com. Take good care. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.